We are back for round two with Wally Staples. If there were a Builder Hall of Fame, Wally would definitely be a future inductee. He runs as tight a ship as I've ever seen, and he just executes at a very, very high level. He is a true inspiration in a business where it's just very hard to hit your X's and O's like you should. He does it. He treats his team very well. He treats his customers and everyone who is a stakeholder in his business with a lot of integrity. It's one of his reasons that he has succeeded. And that is what we're talking about today, how he takes care of his team, a very, very important topic. So I think you guys will enjoy it. We also, before we wrap it up, talk a little bit about what it means to be anti-fragile and how Wally believes that uh, a builder can exercise and implement those traits in their own business. Hope you all enjoy. Before we begin, I would be remiss without a quick thanks to three very important Building Optimal partners. First, to Lowe's and their MVPs Pro Rewards and Partnership Program, of which my own company is a very proud member with exclusive benefits and offers like e-gift cards and in-store freebies. Lowe's is a true partner, enabling contractors like you and me to succeed. Second, to Ram Windows made right here in the Lone Star State. I use Ram Windows on every home, and I love everything about the windows they make and what that company stands for. And last, but certainly not least, to Subzero Wolf Cove, the premier appliance company in the world, which we use exclusively in our homes. We are thankful for the support of these wonderful companies, which help make this podcast a reality. Wally, welcome back to Building Optimal Radio. Very uh, excited to have you again. We uh, had one of our most popular episodes ever with you. It was, well, it was pre-pandemic. So what was that? Maybe close to two years now? Yeah, I think it was the beginning of 2021. I, I appreciate you having me back. I, I thank you for saying that. I, well, we had, to, we had to do a repeat given uh, popularity, but really in all seriousness, you, um, you've got such substance to offer our community that, um, that's really why I wanted to have you back. And I think this, uh, was created the, well, the idea was started in an email thread, what, uh, a few months ago. And it was David Gerstel and you and me and maybe one or two others, but we, uh, we we're talking about employee compensation and, and different employee issues. David's going to be back on the podcast here very soon to talk about a book that uh, he just released and some of the themes and concepts in that. But I thought as a prelude to that interview, it would be really interesting to have someone who's in the business right now, as far as I know, has some of the best practices in terms of um, how you structure, operate your company, and uh, in terms of what we were talking about today, uh, which is employee compensation. I think you got best practices. So what I want to do is let's provide a little context here. <clears throat> let's talk about most home builders provide what a, a base salary, uh, maybe some sort of bonus type 
structure and maybe maybe not health insurance. Those usually are the three spokes in the wheel for total compensation plan for a lot of builders. I'll throw in like uh, gas or phone reimbursements. That's probably a fairly common fourth. You, however, have a few other spokes in your wheel that I think are very interesting. Can we walk through exactly those different aspects of your compensation plan? Sure. Yeah, so, so we do some of the same things probably that a lot of builders do, uh, small residential builders and, and others that are in business. You know, one of the things that we offer is paid time off. Uh, that's something that I think, uh, most people try to do. Uh, there's, there's several types of paid time off. At least the way I see it, there's vacation time, there's second personal days, there's holidays. I am a huge believer that people need to have time off, including the builder. Uh, I try to take two, solid family vacations a couple of weeks at a time a year. Uh, one's coming up in July. We go to Acadia National uh, Park here in Maine down in Bar Harbor. I think everybody nice. listening to come there, bring some money with you, spend some money, enjoy yourself. Uh, it's a fantastic place. It recharges you. And so you want your employees to be able to do that as well. I have employees, some employees been with me a long time. And if you put their vacation time and their other paid time off together, uh, you know, they have like two months of paid time off. Uh, and I'm very proud of that. I think that's very fantastic. That's fantastic. I don't know that any of them take all of it. Uh, we are not a use it or lose it company. I see it as if someone has more time off than, than they can use or want to use, I don't, uh, force them at the end of the year to take it off. I, we pay it out at the end of the year. Uh, we don't want to carry it over because if somebody carried over, you know, two, two to four weeks a year, eventually they come to me and say, Hey, I'm taking next year off. And I don't, I don't think I could handle that, but, uh, but it's been, it's been something I think has helped attract people, but it certainly has helped keep people around that, uh, have been fantastic help to me over the years, uh, because they, they rely on that time now. They get to go away in the winter, maybe take some time off out of the, the climate we live in. And, uh, Maine is a really wonderful place in the summertime. We call it vacation land. And we that live here get to experience that. So they get that time off. So I'm, I, you know, it's, I think it's, uh, something that every, builder should really strive for and especially a field work is it's a physical job uh, no matter how you know we have a saying we all a lot of us say this work hard or not smarter we have equipment we use we're trying to lessen the physical part of it but there is physical parts of it if you don't believe me do something around your own house on a weekend and you'll say boy i appreciate my guys one of my estimators put some windows in his own house this past weekend he came in on monday he says man I cannot believe our guys will then do this every day. He says, I want out. <laughs> you know, just it's a different type of conditioning. So getting some time off, I think is important. You mentioned healthcare. We all know healthcare insurance is very, very expensive in our, in our markets now. In Maine, in general, it's tough because there's only so many providers. We do something on top of everything. We give a, a healthcare contribution, a monthly contribution that all the employees get. They can use it towards deductibles. They can put it in an HSA, health savings account. They can use it for expenses that maybe wouldn't be under healthcare. Whatever they want to do, it's just another way of helping people not get into a position where they get behind on some of those things. And, and a lot of the the policies now, the deductibles just keep increasing. So you know, somebody can can have a lot of their healthcare covered, but they still end up with a, a portion that they need to pay themselves. So that's something that we definitely uh, try to try to help. One one benefit that I think that maybe gets overlooked sometimes is you know. Keeping people busy, keeping them fully employed. Uh, we work, uh, we work overtime year round. I used to, my field guys used to work 50 hours a week. So they'd have, you know, 10 hours or so of overtime. 
maybe three years ago, I think I took a step back from that. I have an aging workforce, like a lot of us do in this country. Fantastic people working hard, but they're, they're getting older and I want to pace them. I want them to be able to get to the finish line um, and still be able to do this work for a long time to come. We have younger guys too. So we changed our work week to seven to four Monday through Friday. Uh, they still get, you know, two and a half to five and a half hours of overtime each week. And we gave them all pay increase at that time, the hourly workers to offset taking away some of that overtime. But I think steady, a benefit that maybe gets overlooked is steady work, no matter what the economy is doing. And when I was on last time, I think I mentioned that I've never laid anybody off. And, and that still holds true today. I don't anticipate laying anybody off. Uh, in the future, we, we try to keep a full pipeline and we do the things we need to to keep everybody fully employed. But it's not just not laying people off. It's keeping them, their paycheck being the same, right? And so if they're used to, people adjust, right? If you're used to getting that overtime, you're going to want to continue with that. We've been able to do that. Uh, I feel, and I think one of the reasons you've asked me to, to be on was our retirement plan is quite unique as a benefit. Uh, small residential builder. I mean, depending on who you're talking about, we have a lot of, you know, one and two man shops probably in our market, but uh, it's not real common to see somebody with a retirement plan that's in resident construction, maybe some commercial guys do it up our way. How I know that is when we hire somebody uh, to come into our company, certainly field workers, some of the office folks, they may have come from a company that had some kind of retirement plan, but uh, most of them, the first time they ever have anything in retirement or any opportunity to invest in retirement is when they join us. And, you got some ground to make up many times. You know, if somebody's 25, pretty easy. Someone's 50, you got to start getting after it. And because we do the match, we do a 4% match, but we're also doing that profit sharing. Uh, that's how we we're going to start to do some catching up. And the market's going to do what it needs to. I mean, right now, we all know the market's going in the other direction, but that can be looked at as opportunity, right? We just finished up our profit sharing. Uh, total for 2021, we're able to do another 10%. And I have until September 15th to drop it into the market and just kind of sit back and watch for a little bit because we can buy more, uh, you know, for less. And uh, we'll look back on it in the future saying, oh, that was a good time. Last year, things stayed pretty steady. So there was no real, you know, great deals in 2020 when we put it in uh, for the 2019. Uh, the Dow was down to like 18,000 when we put it in there. You know, look, it just went up to about 36 before it started going down. So I'm not trying to play the market. I'm not the expert at that, but I can use common sense and say I get, we get more if we put it in at certain times. But the most valuable thing is to that is that our employees have the opportunity. They have something in place. And, and if any builders are listening, I think there's just fantastic people out there that work in the trades. But unless we facilitate something, we put some kind of plan in place, they're probably not going to do it on their own. That probably goes for any any profession, but I feel some responsibility to the folks that are working with me. And, and I mentioned earlier, I have some longtime folks, many, some over 20 years have been with me. I want to make sure that I'm doing what I can to put something in place that they can invest into themselves, but also by doing that match and the profit sharing, the company's getting to reward them back. And I, you know, I believe, you know, and at the end when folks are retiring, they're going to be very grateful to that. And I think it's just a, a wise decision. So those are kind of capturing the, the benefits that, that we do. I think participation is something we can talk about too. You, it doesn't do any good if you put these plans in place and you don't, you don't get folks to, to invest into them themselves. Uh, uh, and that, that does happen, I think, in businesses sometimes because of some advantages to the owner. 
But I am sincere when I say I want everybody who works for me to be part of this. And so we've been able to get really, really great participation because of that. Well, I want to provide a little context from my end to some of the things you just said. So first of all, it is a really low bar in terms of employee compensation in, in this industry. Very few, like what you alluded to, offer 401ks or any sort of profit sharing. So I want our, our community that's listening out there to really let that sink in if they're not already doing it, because a really well-structured comp plan can be a competitive advantage for a builder, hands down. It can help you attract those A-plus players, and those A-plus players are, the, are something that can become a real central part of your DNA to help you become one of the best of breed out there. So what we're talking about right now, I think, is hugely important. Uh, let's distill a little bit what you talked about with so 4% 401k match, which is exactly what we do. And I would argue that that's a very strong match compared to what we typically see. So that's a wonderful benefit for your team. HSA also a highly underutilized tool that employers rarely use from what I see and a big benefit in terms of actually being a consumer of an HOA, HSA, being someone who has an HSA. It's something that almost I think every American should at least highly consider and they're not that common. So uh, that's a wonderful spoke in your wheel. And then the third thing that I want to dig into more is your profit sharing. So I don't know if I'm entirely clear yet on how you structure your profit sharing. We have our own method for our team, but I'm almost certain it's different from yours. So can you walk us through the mechanics of how you guys do your profit sharing, obviously withholding any sort of proprietary information, but any sort of mechanics that you can share with our, our audience out there so that they can kind of think through how they could best build their own would be really helpful. Yeah, so there's all different ways of doing quote-unquote profit sharing. I've tried probably most of them over the time I've been in business. You can do it job by job. You can say, hey, here's the man hours on this job. If we come in on the man hours, the company will share this back with, with the, the crew, the lead carpenter and the crew that was there. And you can still do those things. But what happens when the next job doesn't go quite as well and you exceed the man hours? Do you, you go back to them and say, hey, you know what? Gave you a bonus on the Smith job, but the Jones job didn't come in quite so good. So we're going to need to cut you back and pull some of that back from you. We would never do that, right? That would you know, you'd probably have your crew walking away pretty quick. So I feel the, the, the most accurate way to do true profit sharing is for 12 months out of the year, the entire company is working towards a goal of being profitable. Now, this does create, you got to be more transparent with the people that work for you. And I don't think that's a negative thing. I think it's a really positive thing. Sometimes, and I, I've had this happen, we, we assume maybe as the business owner or the estimators or the people that know the numbers that everybody understands the numbers. They know how much per square foot it's going to cost to build this addition or this house or whatever it is you might be working on. Uh, and many times the, the people in the field don't know that and customers will ask them questions and they don't know the answer to them. So we started sharing, you know, what's the contract value of this property, of this project that we're doing? What are the, the most important thing? What is the labor that we have allotted to this? We break it down by task, right? From the, you know, putting the sill plates down right through to the final finish, the project management, and all the things that go into it. 
Uh, and our lead carpenters are tracking that through the whole job and they're keeping a running total of it. They know how many man hours they have used. They know how many they, they're going to have left. And it has an effect on how do they run that job? And it could be that the crew is not right size. They need to have take somebody off of the crew and put them on another crew because they're burning man hours. It doesn't matter how efficient they are. If they're not needed there, they're burning a man hour. Where the incentive comes in is we're working towards profit, right? It's not just, it's not just that one job. It's for the, for the year. We're looking at, we want our company to be profitable. So we're trying to make it present in mind. We're talking about it at our meetings, certainly at our annual company meeting. We're talking about it. So everybody's understanding it. The one big challenge I will mention because of our process being that it goes literally goes through a CPA to see where the company ends up with profit and so forth to come up with that percentage. It's delayed gratification, right? You're not getting this like at the end of the job. Oh, we really killed it on this. We came under man hours. The job went really well. And I just got an extra thousand dollars in my check. That's exciting. And, and I, and I would say that's a still a wise thing to do for builders. You can do those types of things, uh, when it makes sense. But if you're looking at long term and looking at down the road, these people are going to have to retire. Just age is going to come along or they're going to want to retire. They're going to need something in there. So the process is keeping everybody engaged to work towards the same goal, but it goes into that retirement plan uh, and it stays there. They can take it out. I wish that people wouldn't uh, and people can borrow against it and so forth, but uh, it's their money once it's in there, but you let it, you leave it there and you let it grow. And uh, the, that's the, that's the way that it works, that the way we do it, that it works that I feel is true profit sharing. The other other ways of doing it would be more like bonuses, right? You know, the job went well, so you get a bonus because it, it went good. And, and you can do those things throughout the year. And it, it definitely can build morale and, and give people a desire to do a good job. But uh, we're, we're doing it that way with the 401k plan. And, and you can't do it through a simple. You need a 401k plan to do the profit share. And that's why we convert it over. I will say this to builders out there that maybe are considering starting a 401k and they don't have one. There's administrative costs to it, right? You have a third party administrator. I highly would highly recommend you do it that way. Let them do all the numbers and file all the forms so that you know that you're doing things right with the IRS and so forth. Just like, I, you know, I have a CPA that does our taxes. I don't do my taxes myself. Uh, and so I think it's a wise investment to have those folks do it. You'll, you'll see some costs to it, but I think the benefits far outweigh the costs, uh, when you, when you look look at what you're doing for the people that work for you. Um, there's advantages to the builder, to the owner. Uh, you can invest more in your own retirement, but if that's the only reason you're doing it, don't do it. Do it because you really want the people that are that are helping you succeed. None of us can say, oh, well, look what I built. You didn't build it all by yourself. You do have to have leadership and vision and, and drive. And most people that own the company, no one thinks about it more. No one has more passion for it than the owner. But if you don't have people help you carry out all those great ideas you come up with over the weekend, uh, it doesn't, it's not going to be effective. And it, part of it is the paycheck they get every week, but, uh, that's all great. But what about, you know, as I'm, I've been at this going on 30 years and I'm now in my early fifties. So now I'm starting to think about the folks that are with me that are going to retire here. I've yet to have somebody retire out of my company because you typically hire people around your own age when you get started and it kind of correlates as you go through. You know, a bunch of people are younger than me now, but that's that's all normal and that's what you need to do. I want anybody that's been with me for certainly any length of time to be able to retire and have that uh, that financial freedom that we're kind of talking about with David Gerstel's book. And uh, it doesn't have to be just for the builder. 
it can be for the employees too. But the builder, I feel, or the, the owner needs to put something in place. Uh, otherwise, it's probably not going to work out for folks because they're not going to do it on their own. So that's that's the way that we do it, and it's it's worked out quite well. Well, and one word of caution to the folks out there: if you are going against your advice and creating a four hundred one k plan for to, to benefit yourself, there are actually some rules that the IRS has created uh, that require a certain percentage of the workforce in your company to um, participate in that plan. And if not, and I don't know the exact metrics calculations, but if not, the plan can get classified as, I think, what they call top heavy. And that's not good. Uh, You do not want the IRS classifying your plan as top heavy. So um, if you are going to put it in play, you want to make sure that you've got that buy-in that you generate that buy-in from your uh, from your team, and make sure that you've got a heavy participation rate, and that you have uh, an administrator that can guide you through all of the potholes that you could hit. I don't know who you all use, but um, we use a company that I've been really pleased with called Guideline. Guideline IRA. We investigated a few. We looked at uh, Bank of America, Merrill Lynch, and, and a few others, and this actually seemed like. Uh, the best bang for your buck in terms of um, admin fees. And they also had pretty good plans from what I could see. So that's who we use. Yeah, great. All right. Let's circle back before we get too far ahead. I want to mention one thing on the the paid time off. Going back to that for a second. The uh, obstacle that a lot of home builders hit is that they feel... Like that it's just too constraining for them to, I think, offer a really attractive paid time off plan for their team because they lose that that employee for a week or two weeks while they're gone. Uh, they don't want to incentivize that. They want people obviously there and minimal disruption. And I think that's actually a counter, well, the counterintuitive truth that I have found. And I don't know your experience, Wally, but I think that offering a good paid time off package actually uh, produces much higher productivity in your team. And I see very clear correlations between team members who just haven't had a vacation in a long time and just more irritable and and it's just more stressed out. And uh, then after they take that vacation, I mean, it, it truly does reset people for long or for a while at least. And that's one of the big benefits that I see. So I, I think people need to change their mentality about um, the impact or the cost of paid time off to the company. I actually think it's uh, an investment. I would I would definitely agree with that. When I was a young guy, and before I started my own company, my dad had a long home business. And he only wanted people to take their vacation time, like in, in the spring when the roads were posted, like mud season, when, when it was hard to get going in construction and things. And I, I vowed that I would never, and I'm not faulting for that. I, I get why he was, he was trying to be as productive as he could, but I vowed I would never do that. People take their vacation when they want to take their vacation. Uh, if they want to go, we live in Maine, if somebody wants to take a vacation, go snowmobiling. They should go when they want to go snowmobiling or skiing or anything like that. Or in the summertime, they want to take the time off and go to the lake or they want to get away in the winter and go to Mexico like you did recently or whatever they might want to do. Uh, it, it does what we, what the way we've worked around it, because it does, it changes the flow effects, right? And so 
the requirement that we try to have uh, is that it goes on the calendar, you know, at least a month in advance that everybody would know that's part of that crew or in the office or what a lead carpenter. Um, you can't time it. So the whole crew takes their vacation at the same time. It just doesn't seem to work out that way. Sometimes it does. They get amongst themselves and they make a plan and that, that works out. Uh, but the reality is I, like you mentioned, and, and I, I truly feel this when someone gets to take the vacation, when they want to take it, when they choose to take it for whatever reason, when they go, whatever, do whatever they want to do. When they come back, you can see somebody's refreshed and you can see that they're more engaged and that makes them more productive. That makes them somebody you want to be around. If somebody doesn't take the vacation, they just grind it out. And some people brag about it. Say, ah, I'm taking a vacation of six years, you know, business owners, especially. It's like, well, I wouldn't want to be you because you're probably not nearly as productive as you think you are. It's like working too many hours. And we can all say, yeah, we worked 90 hours this week. Yeah. And probably the last 30, you didn't get much done. You probably made a bunch of mistakes. You got to balance your life. So. I, I view it like you do. It's an investment. It's something that I feel like you get a return on uh, pretty immediate, right? People take the time off. They get uh, time with their family, which is balance. And I know we use that word a lot, but I believe in it because I have two daughters, you know, Annabelle and Evelyn. They're going to be 13 and 17 next month. Uh, that goes really, really fast. I know your kids are much younger than that. They're going to be where my kids are. My daughter's going to be a senior in high school coming up. She's getting her driver's license and life is going to change, you know, and uh, I can't go back and say, geez, I, you know, I wish I'd have taken some time off. No, I'll tell you what, I'm glad I took the time off. I spent those vacations and I want the people who work for me to have that same experience in life. And by giving them that opportunity that they don't have to take time off and not get paid for it, they get to take the time off. Plus they're going to get the same paycheck as if they went to work. And so, I think it's short-sighted if someone feels like it's too big an investment, it's going to affect your sites. And I think the, the clients we work for, honestly, they love it when they hear about the benefits and the things we do for the, for the you know, folks. And it come, it's, it, it, it's received much better. I think it, when the employees talk about it, right? They say, Oh, wow, you know, our company does profit share. And because homeowners will say this back to me, oh, you know, you guys do profit share. I didn't tell them that. One of the employees told them that. Or, yeah, I'm going on vacation. Oh, you get paid time off. Oh, yeah, they treat us really well. We get some time off. And so uh, I think clients understand people need vacations just like they do. So you can work around it. Uh, it's what it is. And, and you just plan for it the best you can. But I, I do really feel like you're going to have happier employees, which makes happier customers. And it's going to be, uh, you know, uh, good for everybody that's involved in the project by giving people a break uh, as needed. Just the timing, you know, planning ahead, getting it on the calendar so that you can plan for it, I think is the important part of it. But sometimes things come up, things happen in people's lives and need some time off and that's, they take it, but uh, we're all supportive of that. So that's been my approach, been that way for many, many years. And I, I think that it's been beneficial. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's close the loop on this comp conversation because I want to ask you, on the, uh, I want to talk to you about the market and uh, and what builders can be doing right now before we wrap this up. But to conclude the comp conversation, I think the last piece that we're kind of missing to help tie this together for people before the conversation or before I hit record on this interview, you told me something that you read or heard recently. It's something like sixty to seventy percent of the workforce lives paycheck to paycheck, which is not surprising to me but also really concerning. Um, how do you overcome that natural human emotion to consume now 
as opposed to delay gratification, i.e. save your money, save your income? How do you educate your team and your employees on that and on the benefits of taking your profit sharing into your retirement account, uh, contributing 4% of your paycheck so you can get that full match? Walk us through that process because that's not always easy. Yeah, you know, there's a, there's a saying more is caught than taught. And I, I do believe that, especially around the trades and so forth. But in, in my case, I try to live by example. You know, our company is a debt free company. We invest wisely. We buy a piece of equipment. We buy a piece of equipment. We own the things we have and we, we invest that way. And we talk about it often, you know, that we're in a good position. I've been talking about a recession coming for at least a year to the people that work for me, not in a negative way. Let's say there's going to be a correction. I'm sure real estate where you're at is probably even crazier than here. But I'll tell you, Maine has had quite an upswing. We Our population is growing faster than it has in decades. And I think probably the pandemic led to some of that because people realized they could work from home. And why not live in Maine rather than some other area around the country? And uh, the real estate market really, really overheated, uh, you know, as far as both the cost and the inventory. Uh, and at the same time, the price of building materials is quite high, as we all know. And so there, there is no great values out there for anybody. So you can see that it's not going to be sustainable. The Fed's trying to slow inflation by raising the rates. So the folks that have to borrow are going to have to start thinking about how much they can ask, offer over the asking price and things like that. So. There's a lot of things pointing to we're going to have a correction. The stock market's already has done that and it's probably not done. Uh, you know, we went through the correction. Now we're in what they call a bear market. We're down 20% uh, because the reality is starting to hit. So what should a business be doing? What should an employee be doing? You should be planning for times like this. It's hard to plan. Now people are going to have to be reactive to it if they haven't planned ahead. It should have been saving systematically for, for years and you can't run someone's personal finances. All you can do is is try to show them how you do things and then encourage them and so forth. And um, I I mentioned to you before we started, I feel fine because I feel like I'm gonna, our business is in a great place of strength. I think there will always be opportunities uh, for you know businesses that are solid. And I think 2008, 9, 10, 11, that last deep recession that we went through, our business grew. And... The reason that it did, I feel, is people were going to turn to a company they knew was solid, could fulfill the contract and finish the project and do a good job with it. Um, so what's coming along is going to be painful for some and others are going to have an opportunity to, um, you know, run their business even more, or getting more organized and being, you know, more careful with things. I think it's always good to tighten things up a little bit, but, um, what what happens to the employees? The employees need to know they have a steady paycheck and take care of them. They have to take and uh, put that money in places so that they can pay their own bills. Uh, I'm with you. That stat when I heard that, it, it's kind of disheartening. We live in this country and we live in you know one of the wealthiest civilizations ever to be known. But so many people are thinks it's easy come, easy go, you know, and, and inflation is going to cut into that. And so if you live in paycheck to paycheck, it's going to be tough. So all I can do is take care of the people. You can't, you can't outpay stupid. Right? If somebody's spending too much, you can pay an employee more. But what I've found over the years, if somebody is in that situation, it doesn't matter what you pay them. They, they need to get disciplined with their own finances. And so you can, uh, you, you wear a lot of hats as a small business owner. Sometimes you're, you're the, the, the counselor, right? You know, Hey, you know, maybe if you tried this or did this, whatever, but 
at the end of the day, these are belts, right? And so they got to do what they need to. But um, I, I, I hope that our company has set a great example of this is how it can be done. If you if you do these things, it's going to put you in a, a place where you do feel financially free. You don't have that anxiety. There's plenty of things to worry about in construction and life. Uh, you you mentioned going on your vacation with your kids. I mean, there's plenty of things. You're worried about your kid getting away from you, right? Um, <laughs> like happened to you. So, you know, there's project delays. There's supply issues. There's increases that you're going to have to battle it out with your supplier to say, hey, you know, this is something that, you know, is quoted and whatever. But uh, being in a strong financial position is going to help. And hopefully the employees are able to do that as well. And uh, I can't change society, you know, people are going to do what they will, but uh, incrementally, maybe in my small company, you can change the way people view things a little piece at a time by, you know, having those discussions and then leading by example. Uh, I, I really believe that uh, if people see that, you know, how come Wally feels like he's in control right now when maybe other people are going into panic? Uh, well, it's because Wally started 30 years ago being in place of being in control uh, it doesn't, it isn't something you can say, oh, now I'm going to get serious about this. You need to get started. Now, if you haven't, you got to get started, right? You can't, uh, you can't go back. So now would be a good time to, to start putting some money on the sidelines, some of that profit and save for that, uh, that rainy day that's likely going to come. Yeah. Or likely is already here. Yeah. I think um, right. So what you're talking about is for me, somewhat definitive of, of, uh, of what an anti-fragile builder is or what it means to be anti-fragile and and we were also talking about this before the um the interview but um for me anti-fragility is just this interesting concept that has come into focus and popularity over the last few years because of the uh very popular book that was written about it and uh i think it can be defined as um when things around you are breaking you don't break but beyond that you can also get stronger so during the 0809 recession you guys actually grew that's an example of a builder who is anti-fragile one of your um key tenants that i believe we talked about on our first interview together or we've at least had in conversation since is is your debt-free company when you guys want to buy a piece of equipment or an asset you pay cash for it i'm sure that is for you a key principle in terms of being anti-fragile um you mentioned something about keeping yeah i think cash on the books and and uh do you have anything else that really stands out for you that makes you a an anti-fragile builder or that other builders should be considering in their pursuit of the same well i think i think one of the things if you if you keep your business run well and you are able to maintain that really great staff that you have uh, during those lean times, you're in a position to take on things when others maybe that they got fearful uh, and they, they had to lay some people off. And, and some of my best hires uh, have been in the times when others were, were letting people go. Uh, in, in 08 and 09, uh, I think three of the lead carpenters we have right now is when we hired them. And why was that? Because others was letting them go and, and good reputable builders were just in a place where they maybe were, maybe they weren't anti-fragile. Maybe they was in a situation where I got to let these people go. Or I'm going to go out of business. We weren't in that position. We had the work and we was in a position where we could hire those folks. So I see it as a tremendous opportunity. Uh, I think just, I think having the right mindset is part of it too. And the way to do that 
as if you feel like you're in control. And again, there's every day, you know, Jared, you, you go to you go to work and something comes up that you weren't anticipating, right? You got to deal with it. So you might have made your notes of what you was going to work on, and I'm a list maker. And, but guess what? Something else just went to the top. So there's always things that can throw you off. But if you're if you're feeling in control, feeling like you know what, we can take the best jobs for the best clients and and have the best people work for us. And we're in a position where we can weather whatever recession comes along, or whatever you know downturn comes along. Uh, that's a great place to be. Um, and investing in your people, investing in training, investing in equipment. Uh, I mentioned earlier, you know, I have an aging workforce like many of us do that uh, if I can buy them a lift to work out of, you know, we bought another sizzle lift recently. Uh, that that helps them from lifting things and carrying things. And so you're, you're in a position, when's the best time to buy those things? When everybody else is selling them, right? And so there's some opportunities coming. Some of my best real estate purchases were in 2008 and uh, And so some of those opportunities might come along here before too long. But as far as being an anti-fragile, I, I love that that term uh, that you, you mentioned. And, and I hope that our company is exactly that. And I feel like we are, we can take a punch, you know, and we can uh, we can take a hit and and still keep moving. but. More importantly, if you're positioned well and you're you're somebody that people are going to turn to in those slower times, uh, that's that's one of your strengths. People look at you and they view you as this is a solid company. Uh, I want to work with them. If I'm going to give my hard-earned dollars to somebody to build me a home, I want the person that's going to do it the best. I'm going to get the best value, not somebody that starts it and I can't find them. You know, after I've made a couple of payments to them. And, we all hate to hear those stories, but that does happen uh, in, in construction sometimes that people get in with the wrong folks. And, um, you know, that's just uh, just I think there's if you, you run your business well, there's, there's opportunities in every market. And we're definitely going to be shifting into a different market. In my view, I could be wrong on that. If, like you mentioned, we may already be into that. But uh, it's OK. It doesn't doesn't scare me. It uh, excites me in a way because I may have an opportunity to hire some more good people. Yeah, that's a. Excellent mindset going into this, and it reminds me of the uh, the Warren Buffett quote that uh, a recession is is essentially to paraphrase it, a recession is um, the return of capital to its rightful owners. There's a, a parallel observation or way to look at that, and that is uh, a recession is is also likely kind of a cleansing of um, the the mediocre and the those who are excellent, who are at the top of their game, are usually okay, uh, or usually come out stronger even. And that's obviously what our goal is here with this podcast and with this community that we're building. How do we all become stronger? How do we rise to the top of our craft? And uh, if we can do it, we can, like what Buffett says, probably be uh, in that small beneficial group that no matter what happens, we will uh, come out okay or even stronger. Yes, I would agree with that. And, and I, going back to the profit share and some of the other benefits, I think as an industry, if we can work towards some of those things, we can we can promote our industry to folks that maybe would, would bypass us. You know, they say, you know, as an example, Bath, and, uh, Bath Ironworks is a, is a Navy shipbuilder that's, you know, maybe six miles from my shop and office, they're trying to hire thousands of people right now because they have these big contracts. Uh, if you don't offer some benefits that are going to keep people, why wouldn't they consider doing that? They may not want to work there, but 
they're offering some really, really great benefits. And so if our industry can start to say, you know what, we don't have to be a big business to offer 401k plans. And maybe, you know what, we can offer a profit share that these other big businesses aren't even offering. And it's more attractive than, than maybe some of these other offers. And so I think it will, it will help our, our industry attract younger people and other people that maybe hadn't considered the trades. Uh, we've done a terrible job as an industry in general uh, to promote going into the trades and certainly as a society. And we can blame it on the schools. We can blame it on pushing everybody into a four-year degree. But you know what? Our industry hasn't got out in front of it. We haven't gone out there and promoted it like we should and and maybe uh, showed some opportunities uh, you know, to some of the younger folks that uh, maybe it would be a fantastic you know career to go into. And uh, different countries, I know uh, in, in Germany, uh, they promote the trades like they do any profession, right? They expose kids to maybe an opportunity to be a plumber, just like an accountant or an attorney. Here, we look at it like, well, I'm a, you know, sometimes people look at it like I'm in the trades because I didn't go to college or I didn't do something different. And um, I, I would say some of the craftiest and smartest people I've ever been around are in the trades. And uh, it's they're certainly they may not have the formal education, but they have practical education. And if we can attract them by saying, hey, we can offer some of these different benefits uh, that uh, would, would make them want to consider the, the field and the career, I think we can only rise our industries up, whether it's plumbers, electricians, carpenters, builders, whatever. Uh, but that's the owner. You know, it's uh, it's the folks that run the thing that need to get serious about it. And, and we can we have to kind of put our money where our mouth is, so to speak. But it's it's return on best investment. It's not something that you're just giving away. You're getting something back in return and you're doing for others. So um, I really feel like it's worth a look. People should look into some of these things. I'm not sitting here saying I'm the greatest and have done all the things right. But I definitely have a desire to try to, to be the most professional builder that I can and have the most professional people working for me. And how do you do that? Treat people really well and, and take care of them. And it's it's certainly given me good returns and people will stay with you. If you can turn over is a tough thing. So if you have people, I would say our average lead carpenter has been with us probably 15 years. And so think about that. How great is that? But you have those core people that you just depend on. They're going to be there for you, you know, and uh, part of that is how you take care of them, how you treat them. And it's not just monetary. You got to treat them with respect. You know, uh, keep them busy. That is a very important part of it as well. Yeah. Well, Wally, as I fully anticipated, great conversation, and um, I learned a few things. I'm sure everybody out there did as well. Thank you for your time, and uh, let's hope that some of these things you shared with us today can help some other builders out there get out of whatever is going to be coming our way even stronger. So thank you for your time, Wally. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me on. I, I, I learned from others. I hope some picked up from uh, things that I said, but uh, I would encourage people maybe get David's book, you know, financial freedom and read through that too. I think there's some, some great nuggets in there. David has a lot of wisdom. He's been around the business a long time and he's a, he's an investor and in all types, sorts of things. So I think, we can learn so much from other people. We just have to take the time to, to get that book and, and read through it or other books. And uh, yep. we can't, we can't, uh, we can't overstate enough that uh, we can learn more from others than we can figure out ourselves in our lifetime. So that's why. Amen. Amen. Well, Wally, thank you. Have a good rest of your week. All right. You too, Jared. Good talking to you again.